industry focus. The podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, December 7th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's financial show, we're chatting with the founder and CEO of LivePerson, Mr. Rob Lacasio. LivePerson makes life easier for people and brands everywhere through its trusted conversational AI. Over 18,000 customers use its conversational solutions to create a conversational relationship with their millions of consumers. In fact, LivePerson was named to Fast Company's world's most innovative companies list in 2020. Rob has been the CEO of the company since its founding in 1985 and joins us this week to talk more about LivePerson's work with Bella, a recently launched digital banking platform that's a first of its kind, compassionate banking platform that prioritizes people over profit. Rob, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me here, Jason. Excited to, uh, to talk about the future. Absolutely. Well, that's, you know, investing is all about the future. So that's what we focus on here, too. So let's jump right into it. Uh, you know, first and foremost, for listeners who, who maybe aren't quite as familiar with live person, uh, I, you know, I look at this stock. I mean, it's been such an impressive performer through the years, uh, year to date, strong performance. Uh, you know, obviously, you're, you're benefiting from this this accelerated digital transformation. Shares have returned close to 400% over the last three years. I mean, you guys are doing a lot of things right, clearly. But let's set the table here for folks who don't know live person. You're a conversational AI company. How does that technology work and how is it changing how we do business? Sure. So my, uh, I guess my claim to fame, if, you, uh, if you've ever chatted online for customer care on a website, I invented that in 1997. Well, I've definitely so, done that. So I'm familiar. Somebody, <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, we're behind the scenes. Obviously, we don't have a, we're not a brand out there. But if you've ever done that, you probably used our, used the technology I invented many years ago. But we made a, a, a big pivot about five years ago. And, and basically I saw messaging, you know, I, you know, I would, we're all messaging our friends and family through Facebook or iMessage. And um, I said, you know, why can't we do this with businesses? And because I invented this chat business and we've done, we did really well with it, but I kind of felt this could be really transformative. If, if a brand could be on your messaging list, like, like next to your friends, let's say, and you could have that connection with them. You know, it could always be, they could be present. If you have an issue, you don't have to call on the phone, be put on hold or send in an email and all these old technologies. They could be right there. You can message them. You know, what, what would that experience be like? So we launched uh, a, a new platform. We built it from the ground up called Live Engage. And so if, if, you're, if you're messaging on Delta through uh, Apple Business Chat or iMessage, it's called, or in their app or T-Mobile, uh, or Citibank, uh, you're using our technology. Chipotle, like if you, now they have this bot called the Pepper. If you build a burrito with Pepper and you go pick that burrito up at the door so you can be socially distanced, you're using our technology platform. Okay, very nice. So uh, I, I, I want to talk specifically about Bella. I mean, that, yeah. that's really that's really that's really what we're here to talk about today. Because I mean, this being the financial show, uh, Bella has has piqued a lot of our interest because of this idea of compassionate banking. You know, 
focusing on people, not profits. I mean, if, if you kind of take into consideration all stakeholders, then, then I think you, you, you see a lot, of, a lot of results. And it, it seems in line with that conscious capitalism uh, movement that we're so fond of here at The Motley Fool. So talk a little bit, what is Bella and, and how did this relationship form? So, you know, I, we have uh, many banking customers around the world and we're powering all these large brands like I talked about with this idea of, of creating a more, uh, you know, outstanding customer experience. And this is where we come from. Like we work with the biggest brands in the world. And so, you know, I, I've felt for a long time there's been challenges in the banking world and, and even the people we work with who want to transform banking, there's just structural issues in banking right now that even the best people and the best intentions for some reason don't get delivered a lot. And we end up where we are today, which is with uh, a service that, you know, is very different than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I remember on Saturdays, we'd go to the bank and I'd put my quarters in my savings account. And uh, it was, and they were part of the fabric of the community. It meant something like my, my mom and dad, they knew the people in the, in the, in the branch. And we lost that we became digits and numbers yeah. in a bank. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. It's a true story. Literally, I, I, my daughter, who's four, when she was born, you know, people gave us some money for when she got baptized. So I put $700. I opened up a savings account for her in Chase, which is the bank I, I was in. And um, I literally got a notice the other day that they, they, they basically shut the account down and they've transferred the money somewhere. And they can't find it right now, <laughs> and because we haven't used the account, it's called it's a dormant account. She's, yeah, she's a child. Yep. We opened up a savings account. It's it. We're in that same bank, by the way. My wife and I opened our accounts there. We opened her account, and they don't know it. So I'm just that. That's not a great experience. And so that I could tell you, we could all tell many more experiences. So I felt like there's a lack of compassion. There's a lot of lack of treating us as we're part of this community and giving us this love and respect as customers. And so we felt, why don't we try something different using our technology, which provides the best customer experience. And that set us sort of on the road. And, and, and at the same time, there was a, a guy in Italy who had uh, built a bank called Buddy Bank on top of our platform and he was a subsidiary of a very large bank in Italy called Unicredit. And he was having wonderful success. And he built this bank based on a concierge concept, like the buddy. This bank's going to be your buddy. Right. And he called me up and he said, you know, I'm not getting what I need here. I'm thinking about something different. And I said, come here. At the, it just so happened at the same time I was thinking about this. He called me up. I said, come here. Let's try this. You, you, know, we, you know, our technology is awesome. You've got this vision. I have this vision. Maybe we can make this work. And that's that's where Bella started, uh, which was a year and a half ago. Now, is is Bella something that is separate from Live Person, or is this is is this a partnership, or is this something that Live Person built? Um, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So so we set it up as its own business unit. We own it, so we do we do own it. Gotcha. Um, we are partnering with a bank called NBKC. So we 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 have to be. A bank. We don't, but we are not the bank. We are providing, but we we have a bank. So you're FDI insured. Actually, you're FDI and C insured up to five million in your account. Nice. And and we have all the bank regulations, so we can be a, a be a bank, handle your money, and provide that layer of safety that everybody wants. You don't want your money disappearing. And then above that, we now we can build anything we want. And it, it was really interesting. It's a blank slate. 
like we didn't we didn't think about checking accounts and savings accounts because we don't want to be uh, just a bank. We we thought differently about what it is, what it should be if you have your money sitting somewhere. What are the possibilities of doing great things with that? And and that's really where we focused on. You know, that's an interesting thing that you're keying in on there because I've I've seen I mean I've seen a number of different statistics out there that talk about this and it focuses I think more so on younger generations, you know, millennials, Gen Z, um, but but just that the consumers that are coming up in, in becoming a more important part of our economy as, as time goes on, these consumers are much more uh, open to, not only open, but really it's almost like they would prefer to, to build financial relationships, banking relationships, insurance relationships with tech companies that partner with with bank companies in other words you know they they see perhaps a level of trust in in some of these tech companies that they don't necessarily have and and i'm sure that goes back to just the stereotype that stodgy old industry of banking and insurance and in wall street and greed and whatnot and there's there's a lack of trust there and and it seems like consumers are really kind of they're starting to call that lack of trust out and look for other options and it seems like you're really scratching that itch through through that uh through that concept of Bella. That, that's correct. But what we've seen is that there, if you look at traditional tech right now, unfortunately, big tech also has a problem with trust, right? Yes. So, <laughs> so, so the, and they're all trying to get into banking. They're all trying to create payment systems. We know we see Facebook with Libra and they, they're trying to create a global payment platform and, and, and a, a sort of an exchange of money and currency. And they're having problems because governments don't want them to do this because they think they're going to do bad things. Then you have traditional, what I call fintech. And fintech basically is like, we're gonna take traditional banking, but put it in an app, make it easy to uh, open a checking and credit card, uh, you know, have a credit card account. And, uh, but what we're seeing there is that maybe I get lower interest rates or maybe I get lower uh, fees or higher interest, a little bit higher interest, but it's still, they're keeping it in the commodity. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they do, okay, we're gonna give a financial advice. We just went the other way, we said, look, we think it's all about customer care and love. And we're gonna set the high bar of the word love. We come from a customer care background. This is what our software has been doing for 20 years. This is what we passionately believe in. So we said, it's all about the care of our customers. And then we're gonna create a place that they can be in that will allow them to care for each other. A community in which if my money's there, could I help others? Is there a way for me to do that? And that's the two parts. We're going to be there for you. Bella is going to be there for you. And you also have the ability to be part of this community and help others in a trusted way. Yeah, I, I like the use of that word community there because you were earlier when you were telling that story as, as a kid going to the bank every Saturday, dropping your money off there. And there was a there was a relationship there, a status in the community. And, and it was it, I remember that very well myself. I mean, it just it, that doesn't exist anymore. You're right. We've, we've become commoditized and technology. Uh, you know, I always like to say it, it giveth and it taketh away <laughs> yeah. for all of the convenience that we get. We, we do lose a, a lot of those of those concepts like empathy and love and compassion and what not so so speaking of concepts like empathy and love and in, in, in given the focus with Bella on concepts like that what how does that how does that translate for the everyday user what is the everyday user experience as, as a Bella uh, customer so so one of our, our big parts is uh, we have this thing called uh, a karma account and so you can put let's say 20 bucks into this account 
And you can direct Bella to do things with that. For instance, I could say, you know what? I want to, I want to give Jason $5 on something. And so what, what it does is that it, what it does is it watches when you make a purchase. So for instance, let's say you're going for, I don't know if you like Starbucks or not, but let's say you're going for coffee. I do. And you use your Bella card up pops. Hey, Jason, Rob wants to pick up this coffee for you. Oh, wow. Right. And then sometimes what Bella does now, this is sort of something we said, we could do all this fancy marketing and spend millions of dollars on acquiring consumers, or we can say, you know, we're, we're looking for members. We're looking for people. And we'd rather give that money back to them. So we did put into Bella is like in December, we put a million dollars in Bella and Bella will just pop up and say, you know what? Hey, Jason, this coffee's on me or this meal's on me. And we'd rather give our members back this money. than we go out and spend money on doing an ad splashy ad campaign that may or may not bring the people that we want here. We'd rather have like a, a core group come in. They start telling people and we'll take care of you. And, and that's the idea. It's like we have this whole pay it forward idea in the platform, which is very much resonating because in the last two and a half weeks since we've started to talk about this, especially on, on mostly on social networks, we, we've had 25,000 people sign up already. And, and so that's a lot um, who've come here. On a, we didn't spend a lot of money to bring them here. We just talked about, hey, there's a karma account. We're going to respect you. We're going to love you. And, and, uh, and that people just go, okay, that's cool. Like, I, I don't think of that for my bank. Let me try it. And that's where we are. I, that is, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really cool idea. I like that. I mean, it's kind of that you're bringing that, that sort of, you go through the drive through of Starbucks and you pay for the person's coffee who's behind you. Right. I mean, I think we've all seen that, whether it's on social media or maybe you've done that for someone. And I mean, this is, this is very, very in line with that. I, I, I love that concept. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could see that really resonating uh, with, with consumers there. Um, and by the way, Jason, we started this way before COVID. So you imagine, you know, this was a year and a half ago and we just believe, but as COVID hit, obviously, and we're seeing this shift now, which is, I think people are getting much more focused on because of the world we're living in about community connection, tenderness between each other. And so it's actually, it's, it just so happens it's playing into a major shift that's happening in the world. So I think this is also people are like, yeah, I, I want to help others. I, I know there's a need I, or I may need help. That's part of you're in the platform. Maybe you need help and we can, we can help you. And, and that's really what is resonating because I also think COVID has ex, sort of uh, put a greater focus on this idea of what I call tenderness. I'm I'm yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I, I we talk about this all the time at work and and it does feel like for, I mean obviously no one is saying that the, the pandemic is is a good thing right but but as with most things good things can come from it and it really does feel like it has accelerated uh, not only not only a lot of change just in the digital economy and whatnot, but but I think also th- these these concepts these ideas like like you were just saying I think a lot of people have become a bit more understanding, a bit more empathetic, you know, recognizing that, hey, just because something's one way for me, that doesn't mean it's the way for everyone else. And um, 
that, that can be really powerful over long periods of time. Uh, so so I, I, I love to see I love to see that you're doing that. Now, it, when we talk about banks, I mean, obviously, banking a, a an old industry with a lot of massive uh, players in, in the space. And you actually have some of those big banks yeah. as your customers. I mean, HSBC, for example, is one of your customers. So, I mean, how do how do you view your your initiative with Bella versus your service towards HSBC? I mean, it seems like your competitors, at least to a degree. Yeah, yes and no. I actually we're going to need to work with them. My my, and actually I I've, I've talked to them about this this concept. You know, when I was a year and a half ago, and I would like to partner with them. So once again, we will never be a bank. You right, know, we're not going to be a bank with a banking license. And I I think what this will do will accelerate the visions that they have, like they have these visions. It's just very hard in those structures to create something like this because, you know, these are big companies. And uh, even when they try to do startups, it's very hard to do them in those environments. So my goal is that we, we want to show this can be done. I've been talking about this for a long time about conversational banking and the idea of creating this special connection. We, we were now like, we're going to put our money where our mouth is, show it can be done show that this is a great brand. And then what we want to do is partner with our customers and other banks around bringing the service around the world. And then that's really like MBKC, you know, this is, you know, a a regional bank in Kansas. And so we, you know, we approach them, they have a, they, they do these banking as a service type thing. They'll work on your, with you as a partner. So they're a partner to us and we need to partner with many MBKCs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that partnership can be really valuable. I mean, you see companies. Uh, the, I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately. You see PayPal and their relationship with Synchrony Bank over the years. And I mean, that's that's been truly a win-win. Um, and, and I think just really unlocks a lot of a lot of potential because it gives you as the tech company the agility, right? The ability to to go in there and, and, and what as they say, you know, break things and move quickly and and. Um, you know, keep on iterating and, and developing without having to worry so much about all of those rules and regulations that, that banks have to follow. I mean, having a valuable partner there is, is, is really an advantage. And we're, and we're pushing, you know, we're, we're pushing the bank too. They've been a, a very good partner because there are rules and regulations that they've had that, that, that are there, there that are there out of distrust, by the way. Right. A lot of rules and regulations are built out of the distrust of their customers and it's not their fault because you have the government also saying you should do these things. But I also, but what I, when we really dug into it, it's, it's really about the distrust of themselves in banking. When you read the horror stories about banking, it's not about some consumer stealing money. It's about someone in the bank at a very senior position doing something bad. The mortgage yeah. crisis, the thing, right? And it's about greed within the system. So there's a penalty that's being put on the consumers because some of the people internally are doing bad things. So that's why we just took a different approach. Like we're taking approach, we trust people. We're gonna set up rules and regulations. We also can use technology because we're a technology company to look at how to, you know, how to understand our members. Um, and, and we say, we don't want people, we don't want, we don't want customers. That's our big thing. We want people who care. We right. write that on the website. We don't, we're not looking for, consumers and customers. We're looking for people who care about, you know, doing something different and being a part of this experience as a member. And we, we mean it to heart. So 
I love it. I love it. Uh, well, let's let's change let's change the subject here for for a moment because we've just gone through you know what historically is one of the busiest busiest stretches for holiday shopping in Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Now, I mean, I think we're we're going to see these. We're going to see. I think this this Black Friday Cyber Monday is going to stretch out probably a little bit longer. Be a little bit more like a Black in cyber December, right? I mean, I think people are stretching yep. out their purchases a little bit, but regardless, these two days just wrapped up. I mean, they, they were stellar numbers, particularly for e-commerce. I mean, we're seeing clearly some challenges on the physical retail side, but what do you feel like with, with these, with Black Friday and Cyber Monday just wrapping up, what what does the holiday season look like for conversational AI and how is, how is live per, uh, person playing a role in clearly what's becoming a more tech-driven uh, retail space? I mean, I'm uh, in my 20 years doing this, I, I just never seen anything like this. We were up, we, we were, we were I, yeah. And by the way, you're right, it's continuing, which I can talk about in a second, but so we're up 300% year over year on the amount of conversations, the amount of messages that are running on our platform. Wow. Which is extraordinary. And and what it started, which is really interesting, normally Cyber Mondays are big day, mm-hmm. and, and, and but it started on uh, obviously Black Friday and it went all the way through the weekend and it's still going. So, and I've seen things like one of our large uh, beauty clients, um, they're up 200%, you know, during this time. And, and the, I, so I'm like, so when you think about it, normally they're, they're, they're at all the counters, you can buy their stuff at all, all the normal stores, the Macy's of the world, the Nordstrom's and all that, but they don't have that ability. So they're, you know, they're online, they're using video, they're, they're people look at a woman may show up with her hair color or a guy and I, what's my hair color. Okay. This would be, let me try on makeup. <laughs> so they're bringing that experience. And what, what is really interesting, I don't see it going back as in parts of it will go back, but consumers are loving it. That's why. And what we're seeing is a lot of repeat as in they're going on this, they're using this technology, but they aren't, they're staying with it. They continue to come back and back as a, as, as a consumer with these brands to use this as a preferred way to connect with the brand. That's a superior option. I mean, I, it's, it's, it, we've talked about it before. I mean, when you get stuck on a phone call of like endless phone trees to, to one number, to another section, to another department, and you're never talking with a person, it can be extremely frustrating. And, and it really does seem to whittle that, time, that wasted time out of the equation and just get you from point A to point B more quickly and get, and get your problem resolved. Yeah. And, and we, we did a, a survey, a couple thousand uh, consumers, and we saw that it, they said like 68, 70% said that they don't trust a retailer if they don't have some form of messaging or something, you know, a, a something to on their website or in their apps to message with them and have this live conversation or you're conversing with an audience, they, they're, they're losing trust because they, they know they're going to have an issue. You know, what it is is that the consumer feels, a person feels like, hey, I may have an issue here with this. I'm going to buy something. And I don't want to go through the, you know, the, uh, the rigmarole of like trying to make a call, get a return. That's why Amazon is so good. You know, you know it's easy. You buy, you return, no problem. But every brand needs to bring that, their game, their best game to the, to the consumer. And part of that should be, having this personal relationship, which Amazon doesn't do, by the way. Yeah. Amazon doesn't do that, but you as a brand can do that. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's I think that's a really good point. I mean, you, we were talking about sort of being commoditized as banking consumers and and that risk runs great when it comes to retail. I mean, if you're if you're working with any kind of a big retailer and you feel like you're being marginalized or just commoditized and and they don't really they don't really ultimately care about solving your problem. I mean, it, that that's that creates a bad experience. You're likely not to not to go back to that retailer down the road. I I can absolutely see how uh, that technology forging some sort of relationship can make consumers feel that much better about about returning. And, and that really is what it's all about in retail, right? You want to bring those customers back. Yeah. And, and look, we have some retailers who are, we, we just signed one of the largest jewelry retailers in, in the world. And we're, we actually, I just saw this, I can't give the stats out, but they, they just went live literally uh, like this week. And I, and I, I've seen the, First day, so right. Excuse me. They went live right before the holiday, after thank, before Thanksgiving, so they get get the holidays. And I, I saw that the, the first day numbers are it's millions of dollars, millions yeah. of dollars they've sold uh, using this technology. Also, you doing video, so they're doing video, which is really hot. Adding video, and so when you look at that, they they're so relieved because it's you know you can't get people into stores as much to buy jewelry, but now they're selling it online. We're also going to do stores. So what's happening is that we're going to put QR codes down next to products and stores so that you can go, you can take your phone out, hit the QR code and talk to a person who's not in the store or an AI and automation. So you can kind of shop, getting the connection and the service you want in your mobile device, but you don't have to have somebody in your face because of social distancing, at least today. So there's a... I think actually this is the way you could fight Amazon. If you have a store like a big box retailer, set up more of a digital experience so that at least I'm getting expert advice because not everyone who works in a store is an expert. That's half the problem. But maybe somewhere, <laughs> somewhere else, somebody can be an expert about this product who works in another store or who works in a contact center. I don't know. I don't know. But these are the things we're working with because retail is going to really change now, obviously. Oh yeah, and I mean to your point, just about uh, about finding experts. I mean, I, I, that immediately made me think of healthcare and and how telemedicine has been just thrown into the spotlight this year, for obvious reasons. But but yeah, I mean one of the bigger challenges in healthcare is scaling it and getting that expertise out to places that don't have access to it. And and all of a sudden now technology has enabled that, and and that it, it seems like it's 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 impacting a number of industries in a lot of positive ways. So I think that's a uh, that, that certainly bodes well for what you guys are doing. And, and, and I mean, the numbers that you're continuing to record clearly make sense. Yeah, we, we launched another platform uh, a few months ago called Hey Experts, H-E-Y Experts. And the reason we did this, so we've been working on this also for, a, for about a year is, um, and this is also pre-COVID, but it's really playing into what's happening. So we, we have this vision, like the expert is the smallest of the small business, right? I'm an independent, maybe I'm a Pilates instructor. And so we wanted to create a way in which they could bring their business online and, and provide those expertise and have, have that sort of managed. And so, um, so we launched this a few months ago and we're seeing a great success. So for instance, last week or, or you know, last week or a week before, we had a chef come online and they had a hundred people come and watch them cook. It's, it's also has video and they're watching them cook online. So you could say, well, so they, they could do this with, with Zoom but we built all the ways in which they can manage the business. They could take payment for that. Um, they can schedule meetings. They can schedule one-on-ones. 
There's a way in which they can bring other friends and experts onto the platform and build a community around and expertise. So we really built this very powerful platform, but it's taking off. Pilates instructors are on there. So, you know, people are really looking at, these are the smallest businesses, are looking at ways to build their businesses without somebody coming into a store, coming into a restaurant. Like a chef, a chef has a lot of value in the world. It just yeah, may not be in a absolutely. restaurant today cooking for people, but cooking for them in their home virtually and getting them to cook the meal has as much value as cooking for them in a restaurant sometimes. Oh, there's no question. I mean, yeah, right. It's it's uh, giving a man a fish versus uh, teaching them to fish, right? As, <laughs> as the cook of our house, like I, I, I can appreciate what you're saying. Um, it, but let's, Rob, before we wrap up today, and I've really enjoyed this conversation, by the way, um, I did want to take a moment. You know, recently we saw that Tony Shea passed away, and um, and that was that was certainly uh, tragic. And, and and I know I've seen on Twitter. Uh, you had a lot of a lot of kind words to say about Tony and 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 and, the, and what he meant to you uh, in in your entrepreneurial journey. I just I wanted to ask you what kind of impact did he have on you as an entrepreneur? So when Tony's book came out, uh, Delivering Happiness, which I think is over ten years ago, I what happened was I tell you what happened. I watched the CBS Sunday Morning Show. I, I love this show, and he was on there speaking about because he was he was chosen as the number one company by fortune's top companies to work for and and i listened to him talk and they did a tour of zappos headquarters and then i read the book and i emailed him and i said tony i love you know i i, just, I saw the cbs morning and i run this company and there's a lot i don't understand and i emailed him and he emailed me right back and said come to vegas I'll take you around for the day. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you can imagine he was very, he was pretty busy at the time. We all are, but I was like, right away. Like, boom. <laughs> so literally I'm like, I literally, I booked a, I literally, it was like maybe two or three days later. I wasn't going to like let any time slip. I, I got on a plane, I actually took other two other people who worked with me and, and we got on a plane, went there and we spent the day with Tony and his team. And he, he graciously took me around and I was blown away and I saw something I saw the possibilities of culture and he said, you know, delivering happiness, even though we, we sell shoes, we're delivering happiness. That's what we're delivering by selling shoes as in we're delivering our brand promise. That's our product. He told me, you know, that's our product, not shoes. And he said to me, we could open an airline one day. We could open the Zappos airline because we're delivering. And that's the way he was thinking. And I was like, okay, I don't think like that. And, I, and, and he changed me forever. And I remember we had lunch and he's, you know, I went to the, he was, got in the car to go to the airport and he said, I just want to tell you something. If you want to really take this road of building a, a, a business based on culture, like we're doing here, it's a long-term commitment. Yeah. You'd never be satisfied. And from there, you know, I left and, and I, and I went back and I made a radical shift in the company. And we, we, we went through a process to create a cultural base, a business based on our cult, a culture and everyone talks about it, but really working at it is hard. Matter of fact, Fred Mosler, who was the president with Tony, who who's really Tony's co-founder over there built Zappos with him uh, is on our board. Oh, no kidding. Board. Yeah. So, so uh, Fred joined our board five years ago yeah. when he left Zappos after, uh, you know, after they got acquired by Amazon, he stayed for a little bit. But so we have a lot of that infused in the business. And then I kept in touch with Tony. Tony came out here 
you know, I would be in Vegas. I'd spend time. I remember my best friend called me up. He was all because my I forgot my best friend lives in L.A. We were in Vegas. We we hung out with Tony, and he had such an impact on my life. And I, the one thing is that I don't know if he really understood. You know, I've been thinking about. I was talking to Fred. I don't know if he really understood how much of how many of us loved him. Yeah, I really don't know. I, you know, you can see what's happening online. You're probably following it. I don't know if he really knew it, like, I know he's in heaven now and he's such a, he's an amazing guy and he gave so much to so many people, but it's like, like I thought when Anthony Bourdain died, it's the same thing. It's like when these people die and they have these impacts, I don't know if they, if they know, obviously Tony was in a tragic accident, but it's different than Anthony Bourdain, but it's the same thing. Like I don't, but in the end, I I'm not convinced he really knew how many people loved him. And I hope he knows now that Wherever he is, once again, I know he's in a great, better, you know, he's in, up there in heaven, but I, I hope he's looking down and saying, you know, man, you had an impact on the world we live in, on entrepreneurs, and he, he was a beautiful person. And I, I hope he knows how much all of us loved him. You know? you know, you're you're right. The outpouring of emotion is 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 obvious. I mean, it, it's it's I've seen it all over Twitter and, and and on the internet. And and I mean, you know, as a Amazon shareholder, as a Zappos customer, I mean, seeing what they've built and, and just following him all all along the way. I mean, he 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 clearly was a special special person and and obviously very talented. And I think so. I my take is I think he knew, but there's a humility with guys like that. Yeah, where that's what makes them so good. There's a humility that comes with them that makes you ask that question right there. And uh, and and uh, you know, it's 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 that's why they're so impactful. Clearly, he had a great impact on you. Yeah, and, and like I said, I did, you just want them to know. You know, like when I was shocked when I heard it, when I saw it, and then I yeah. talked to Fred, and obviously he's he's you know he's shocked on a on a whole different level because he grew that business with them. Um, but you know, you, you just never know. And, and when you're that young, you know, he's, he's too young to die. And, uh, you know, you just want him to know that the impact he had on my business, you could see a lot of other people's businesses. Um, he was so, he was so gracious with his time and he never said no, as in he was never busy enough. And, and I carry the same thing. Like people email me, I, you know, I, I want to help entrepreneurs. Like it's in, in many ways, I want to carry the torch forward as in, I want to help as many people as Tony did. I, I admired him for that. I admired him because he wanted to help people. And it's, it's what I feel like I want to do for entrepreneurs because you're all, we're all dying. Like yeah. Tony, unfortunately went earlier yep. than, than we did. We're all going, but if, but you want to be remembered for what Tony's being remembered for helping others. If you want to learn more about Bella in live person's efforts to shake up the banking industry, make sure to check them out at bellaloves.me. That's B-E-L-L-A-L-O-V-E-S dot M-E. Rob, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Listen, I, I can't thank you enough again for taking the time to join us and catch us up on what's been going on with live person and Bella. I think this is just a tremendous initiative. I'm going to be following it closely, and uh, we'll look forward to covering it more on, on our uh, Monday shows here in the future. So, so thanks again so much. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It's always great to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. 
Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Rob Lacasio, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.